Yeah. No. Yeah. No, yeah. No, yeah, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. No. What do yeah. We, I, I don't, I've never, I, you, no. Yeah. No, yeah. No, yeah, that really oh, hey. kind of grosses me out. That was so organic. Thank you. Record on this computer. Okay. All right. We're recording. Let me just Great. pull up my notes. Oh, God, I didn't even think of an intro. I sort of. Um, oh, God. Uh... Wait, why are you in Poughkeepsie? Oh, this is where uh, Andrew's shooting his... The Amazon thing? Yeah, the Amazon oh. Prime movie is shooting at Vassar College. Say, I'm Molly and I'm in Poughkeepsie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, no, I have one. Okay. <clears throat> Hi, I'm Molly. And if I had it my way, listening to this podcast would be a Class C felony. Hi, I'm Katie, and if trying to like matcha is a crime, then book me. Ah, yeah, you know, we've all tried, and we've all failed. I'm having, it, it's so gross. It tastes like dirt uh, and grass. Yeah. And I can't, um, I, it's just like, why do the people who say that they like it, like, who's paying them to lie? I would, I'd really love to know. It's truly a conspiracy theory. And it's one of those things where if you say, I don't like it, no one believes you. And they're, and the matchas, uh, uh, goonies, cronies, uh, groupies are like, oh, you haven't had the good shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big matcha loves to say when you haven't had the good shit. And I bought the good shit. Let it be known. I bought the expensive little powdery shit. Mm-hmm. And honey... It ain't so good. Do you have one of those things that looks like yes. a fashioned barber cream yes. applier? Okay, well, there you go. I'm uh, trying some uh, other coffee alternatives. Sorry to everyone to call it a matcha rant. Um, and you know what? It's just not cutting it. Yeah, I mean, uh, don't if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm. And uh, Katie, my next point is good luck trying to find matcha when you're in prison. Oh, God, right. I'd have to go on a, a hunger strike. Not even the uh, fancy white collar prison that Martha Stewart went to, I think, stocked matcha in the commissary. <laughs> oh, wherever I'm going, they definitely wouldn't have it. Yeah. So in this penultimate episode of uh, our of our of this wild ride we call yeah no yeah mm-hmm. we decided we couldn't finish out the arc of life without talking about a phase of life that a lot of us go through where you get into frankly a lot of trouble <laughs> a lot of trouble trouble is part of life and i think we don't say it enough i, I couldn't agree more consequence is a big part of living consequence is a big part of living and so uh, for today's episode on consequences, uh, we're going to focus mostly on jail and prison and what happens to you when you go there and why it's like, it's like a lot of things in life where it seems like the getting ready to go to prison is much worse than actually going through it. The fear of the thing mm. sounds like from what I've heard is worse than the thing itself. Especially, and I did focus on kind of white collar crimes because that's a crime that interests me the most. Yeah. So for, you know, uh, I'm sure, uh, as we'll get into, 
uh, the kind of prison experience you have depends a lot on how good your lawyers are, how much money you have access to, and what type of crime you're being convicted of. And I would imagine your ethnicity and, and race. Of course, yeah. And of course, that all gets, gets layered in. Mushed together. Uh, so from the prison policy initiative, uh, 2.3, there are 2.3 million incarcerated people in the U.S., and the U.S. incarcerates uh, a larger proportion of its population than any other developed nation in the world. That is not surprising. The U.S. locks up more people per capita than any other country, which I guess is a different way to say what I uh, already just said. I love um, when you reiterate. <laughs> I also read in the Sentencing Project, another, um, I think, non-for-profit think tank type group, that one in 50 children in the U.S. has a parent in prison. Oh, God. I had a parent in prison. You did. You did. Uh, part of the reason we should just flip over all the cards and why we're both also really interested in talking about prison is because you have had experience with having a relative in prison. Oh, yeah. I Can have. Say more about that. <laughs> so my father was in prison like, God, Probably I would get, he's 60 something now. I would say he's been in prison like a third of his life <laughs> on and off. And he, right. I think the first time, so mostly what he was arrested for, it was, and sorry, charged with in prison was some money, not long, oh, um, like writing bad checks mm -hmm. and drugs, selling use, whatever, buying. Um, and then a little bit of a white, more white collar medical fraud <laughs> stuff. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, ha we weren't, I wasn't close with him, but I, mm -hmm. my, I visited him in prison. You'd mm -hmm. have to get patted down even as a four-year-old, maybe especially as a four-year-old child visiting in. Right. Um, and he would have like his prison mates, like right draw me cards and then he would just like sign them because he wasn't like an artist which I guess you do become some sort of art you have to uh, fill your time in prison so he learned to like give stick and poke tattoos and he traded a tattoo for a guy who could draw and I think I still have a card I have to show I'll put a picture on pa Patreon oh cool um, because I have it. it is it is so <laughs> it looks so I don't even know like whatever they had to access to draw with like little baby crayons it's still very beautiful yeah. um yeah I mean having a parent in prison it fucking sucks but I don't yeah. think we, you know we wouldn't have had a relationship probably no matter what right. um visiting a parent in prison is really stressful I have a deep fear of prison I think probably that started from him going um, anytime I watch a prison documentary, I have a panic attack. It just seems so inhumane. And that's kind of my stance on prison. And by the way, he kept going back. So it's not like he was getting rehabilitated. I know that you'll talk about this later, but you know, the chances of you going back in, depending on the type of crime is high. Yeah. So I was reading that, uh, uh for recidivism, what Katie's describing where you go to prison once you get out, you go back that's called recidivism. Mm -hmm. uh, and recidivism rates are especially high among nonviolent drug offenders, uh, which sadly, which is not related to what your dad was guilty of. But um, obviously the rates among that group are the highest because people aren't so much 
committing crimes for the joy of crime, but are uh, experiencing the throes of addiction, which comes with it, um, you know, a huge temptation to reoffend. And with, obviously, I'm not the first person to say this, but kind of the overarching theme in a lot of articles that talk about the U.S. prison system is, are we really addressing the problems at hand? Yeah, we are not going to be the people to solve this, but I agree. I think we are not getting to the core of the issues. Right. Uh, also, before we keep before we dive any deeper into this, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about the terminology. Uh, jail, I had always known that there was a difference between jail versus prison, mm-hmm. but I didn't know quite the difference. So jail is for sentences of less than a year, uh, usually for people uh, who either committed a misdemeanor or for people who are awaiting trial. And you go to prison when you um, uh, have, I guess that would be more of a federal offense, a felony, uh, longer sentences, you go to prison. Or if you're in my family, you call it going to the farm. Going to the farm. Oh, that's, yeah. I meant to, what, do you know any other good? I love the big house. That's a good one. The big house, the farm. I, so this is, this is one I think I coined as a young kid when we would talk about parents in school. I said my dad was on an African safari. <laughs> and the teacher called my mom and was like, your daughter's a liar. And my mom's like, just let her. It's a difficult thing. Like what? What? You're supposed to, you have to come clean about that? How do you know my dad isn't? (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. The teacher needed to, did the teacher know that your dad was in prison? No, I think she was just like, there's just no way. (laughs) Also, what does saying he's on an African safari really mean? But my mom, don't worry. My mom really laid into her. Yeah. Oh, good. I mean, I can only, as we've heard other episodes (laughs) of this podcast, if there's one thing your mom can be relied on to do is to lay in. So yeah, I like to call it the the safari of part of life. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and then, oh, okay, so, and then also going back to recidivism, uh, the same study that I was just referencing uh, that found a study out of Iowa University that found that drug offenders are the biggest group of uh, recidivists, the same study showed that family disruption and not having a stable place to live were major, were major factors that contributed to people ending up back in prison. I also found uh, from the National Association of Mental Illness that in a mental health crisis, people are more likely to encounter the police and get medical help. And as a result, 2 million people with mental uh, illnesses are booked into jails each year. Uh, nearly 15% of men and 30% mm. of men booked into jails have a serious mental health condition. Oh, whoa. So 30% of women who go to prison have a mental condition, whereas only 15% of men. According to according this, to this, study. this study. That is interesting. And it's also just like, just like with drugs, it's like, well, is prison really going to address, if the issue is mental health, is right. prison really addressing that? I mean, uh, so I recently related to this. I was recently just listening to an episode of uh, Jensen and Holes, The Murder Squad, which is uh, a true crime podcast from the same network that does My Favorite Murder. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about a case, an unsolved case that has captured my attention for many years. That's uh, Maitreese Richardson. Have you ever heard of her? Mm -hmm. So she was a woman, this happened 10 years ago, 
she's uh, a black woman who was uh, who had been on a great track, had a steady girlfriend, had uh, had education plans for the future, and then she started to have obvious signs of a mental health problem. Mm-hmm posting strange things on Facebook, saying that she wasn't sleeping, and ooh, we'll see where my crazy ideas lead me. Uh, And then she ended up at a restaurant in, uh, I think, Malibu, a very expensive part of California. I forget exactly where. And she, uh, when she got there, the valet valet took her car to park it, and then she got into the valet's car and started going through his glove box. And he said, please stop. And mm-hmm. she said, okay. And then she went into the restaurant, ordered food, sat down at another table and started talking to them about topics that were pretty out of the blue. I think I read somewhere that she was saying stuff like Michael Jackson is Jesus. Mm. Uh, and then she couldn't pay for her meal. And so the restaurant owners end up calling the police and they find some, I think, weed in her car. And they end up charging her with defrauding an innkeeper. So, and she's acting strangely, like they know that she's a little bit off. So they take her to uh, this this police station that's way up in some obscure, hilly part of California that doesn't have access to a lot of stuff. And they call her mom or her grandmother and they say, uh, you know, we're going to hold her overnight. And the grandmother says, fine, don't, if you're going to release her, let me know so I can come pick her up. Mm-hmm. And they say, you got it. And then they release her. And she wanders off into the night. No. And they find her body like a year later. No. No one has any idea what happened to her. If she died by misadventure, if she was murdered. The cops released a video of her sitting in the lobby before, right before she was released at night. And the video that they released is edited. So there's a lot of suspicion around the police department. Like, did they do something to her? Did they have with someone in the video that they don't want people to know about? So that is a classic. I recommend that episode. Wow. Uh, just looking into Mytrice Richardson, it's a really uh, terrifying case. And it's a really great example of how when you're having a mental health issue, the cops are not the people to address you. No, they're just not, frankly, trained for it. And that's okay. There are other people in this world who know what to do. Right. Yeah. Well, maybe not enough of those people. Well, I think that, well, that's a big problem. Uh, but yeah, so that brings me to the subject of fancy prisons. Uh, <laughs> you, and I, okay, I want to say off the top of the bat, it drives me crazy when people are talking about issues in the U.S. and they're like, well, why don't we do it like they do in Scandinavia? They uh, just, uh, you know, they have the fanciest, most spa-like uh, prisons. Yeah. Ever. And, it's, and it works for them. And it's like, okay, well, we are not them so I don't really and it's like a tiny country with a tiny population a different culture I don't really think that that's helpful for our people that say that don't understand the United States prison system at all or why we have it and what it does for you know the private prisons and all the money and everything Right. But I did read, if you Google luxury prisons, it is, it is a fun read to read about like what prisons are like in especially Scandinavia. Don't um, they get their own little like cabin homes? So at Bastoy <laughs> Prison in Norway, it does have some violent offenders. It's not all just, you know, white collar, whatever. Mm-hmm. There are 115 people staying in shared homes that have private bedrooms. 
and that you can go fishing, play soccer, go to the gym, lay on the beach. Oh my God. <laughs> Someone from the World Economic Forum or an article from the World Economic Forum said, critics say it's more like a holiday, ca- holiday camp than a prison. And reading about it, it did sound like somewhere you and I would pay to go. Yeah, it sounds great. Yeah, it sounded like nicer than a sandals resort by far. So, I yeah, believe I would, um, yeah, I don't know. If you're going to get convicted of anything anywhere, Norway is the place. Um, but yeah, so talking about why, why is prison the way it is here, uh, a lot of people will tell you to look at the private, the system of private prisons that mm-hmm. we have in the U.S. Uh, and according to the Washington Post, uh, private prison corporations, GEO, uh, and I, oh, I don't know what the other one is called. A private pr- uh, prison corporation called GEO and another private prison corporation have contributed $25 million in lobbying efforts and $10 million to political candidates since 1989. There you go. Uh, And this article in particular that I read in the Washington Post specifically points out Marco Rubio as a politician who has very close ties to GEO group. Um, from the article that while uh, while Rubio was leading the House, uh, GEO was awarded a state government contract for 110 million prison uh, soon after Rubio hired an economic consultant who had been a trustee for GEO Real Estate Trust. Uh, and over his career, Rubio, Rubio has received $40,000 in campaign donations from GEO. Yeah. And obviously, like you can't... <laughs> Obviously, people who are in charge of private prisons, it's just like, you know, it's a system like a lot of the U.S. government has here where they contract instead of just having it all be totally federally run, they mm-hmm. contract, they, uh, they sell the contracts to private contractors, they go through a bidding process, blah, blah, blah. But obviously, people who run private pensions, you can't have them making the rules or lobbying for what laws are enforceable. Why is that allowed? Right. Here we are. Right. Yeah, it's by design. Like, this is the design. There, of course, there's other ways, I'm sure, and there is money, clearly, to build more appropriate rehabilitation centers, but this is on purpose. Right. Yeah, I mean, you just, you, you can't, some things just weren't meant to make money. And then these private uh, prisons, another big problem with, with them is that they have arrangements with the government that the government will uh requ- will make sure that they have a certain number of beds filled <sighs> and if they fall below a certain number uh, a certain occupation uh level then taxpayers then have to pay the private prison company for those um for those beds that aren't filled so it's very depressing <laughs> and we could do a whole episode on private prisons and how awful they are but I'd rather talk about things that are a little bit more fun. <laughs> the longest sentences. Do you know, oh. if you had to guess off the top of your head, who do you think in the U.S. might have the longest sentence? It's a very hard thing to guess. I'm putting you on the spot. But it's someone like maybe I would know. I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, going to guess it has to definitely be a serial killer of some kind, right? So... See, with serial killers, you're still thinking too small. Okay. Oh, like a 
schools, a big shooter. So yeah, so the people who uh, kill a bunch of people at one time. Uh, a mass murderer. A mass murderer named Timothy McVeigh. Oh, there you go. So he was put to death. He was executed in 2001, uh, but his partner, Terry Nichols, is still alive. This is according to Wikipedia, by the way, that he is the longest sentence. Mm. Um, but yeah, he's a co-conspirator in the Oklahoma City bombing, which just to refresh your memory, in 1995, Terry Nichols and Timothy McVeigh rigged a rental truck with explosives and drove it into a federal building in Oklahoma City. And when it went off, it killed 168 people and oh my. hundreds more. And 19 of the dead were children who were like in a daycare center. How long, wait, how long was his sentence? So Terry Nichols sentences, so he received 161 life sentences. Ooh. And 9,300 years without parole. Oh, my God. So, kind of a long time. That's a long time. Plenty of time. Why not just say, ugh, well, we don't have to discuss the law. Why not just say your lifetime, your whatever your lifetime is? I don't know if I had to guess <laughs> off the top of my head. I think that it probably has something with acknowledging for the sake of the family. Oh, sure. No, that's actually... That might be right, actually. I don't know. Um, but yeah, sentencing law is a whole other can of worms that, uh, again, I'll just have to start another podcast. Just start a prison podcast. About prison. Um, so. Yeah, no prison. Yeah, no prison. Uh, so that whole attack, um, McVeigh, actually, I had forgotten this. Timothy McVeigh's motivation for this was because of the Waco massacre of the Branch Davidian people. Do you know? Did you? Know? Yeah. So he was what inspired? It was so they so Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols were part of a some kind of patriot super right wing. You know, I guess now we would call them alternative um, alt right type mm -hmm. group. So we've yeah. heard about a few of those on the news lately. We 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 sure have. A lot of us are frankly on tenterhooks waiting for. Just what happens next. Yeah. There's a reason I'm in Poughkeepsie at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I've picked a weird time to go to Texas. Well, you're in, if you're going to be in Texas. Maybe this is the best place, actually. Yeah, I would say so. Um, so another part of prison that I was really interested in and that wasn't as juicy of a nut as I thought it would be. Not that nuts are juicy, but I think you see. What That's I'm why saying. it wasn't juicy. <laughs> uh, prison gangs. I was like, ooh, prison gangs. There's yeah, a lot. they're not really a thing, right? So I think that they had their heyday and that heyday is done. Yeah. Actually, I think it was uh, this year or maybe... Very recently, uh, a sociologist named uh, David Peruz. Are you highlighting something in my Google Docs? And I just clicked. <laughs> there is a ghost. In I was trying to find the page you were on. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, under prison gangs on page six, um, a sociologist named David Peruz and Scott Decker, a criminologist, I believe they're both from uh, CU Boulder, uh, recently co-wrote a book called Competing for Control, Gangs and Social Order in Prison. And it surveyed over 800 prisoners and it kind of blew the lid off of a lot of myths that we uh, have in our popular culture about prison gangs. 
uh, it also showed, like I said, that prison gang membership is on the decline. Um, Carews also said the idea of blood in and blood out, this is for an interview with the University of Colorado. Carews said the idea of blood in, blood out is a myth, noting mm. that most men who joined a gang in prison left it before they got out. I had never heard that phrase. Did have you do you know? No, what? I've never heard that. So blood in, blood out, the idea is that you have to kill someone to get into the prison gang and kill someone to get out. Yeah, that would be hard to do. Sounds messy. And, yeah. Uh, it does sound like back in the day, prison murder was a bit easier. Um, but these days, these prisoners are getting awfully lazy, frankly. <laughs> uh, their survey found that 50% of prisoners enter, uh, enter a gang when they enter prison, and they're looking for protection. Um, so also memberships in like the gang. So, okay. If you had to name a prison gang, what's the first gang that pops into your head? Is the Crips a prison gang? I don't know. I think that they're. Oh, that's more like the Bloods and the Crips were maybe more of a street gang if they even exist. They're a street gang with a prison satellite. Yeah. Latin Kings. Latin Kings, again, is a street uh, a street. I guess I just know the streets better than I know prison. <laughs> I was trying to get you to say Aryan Brotherhood because that's the one that yeah. I the most. They're the oh most yeah, white. Uh, it reminds me of uh, Arrested Development episode where the character White Power Bill was. Right, of course, <laughs> White Power Bill. We all know him. We all love him. We all love um, him. We hate him. We hate him. <laughs> uh, and then also the Mexican Mafia. I had never heard of, but was no. also big. I'm sure my father didn't join either. He is a Jew <laughs> and yeah. not Mexican. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. He, I had a, I was like, what, when I was old enough to like maybe know a little bit more, he was like, I really, he wasn't in fancy prison, but he was like, I really just like worked out and had some pals and that was it. There was no gang stuff, not where he was at least. Yeah, I just Googled Jewish prison gangs <laughs> and they're uh, from a light skim is wait what oh there's a reddit post that is called what prison gangs do jews in the u.s join Does little menches uh if you're looking for a serious uh answer check out this article um so apparently jews in prison just encounter a lot of anti-semitism from what i'm reading yeah uh, so, yeah, but uh, your dad's experience is reflective of what this study found, which or this, these authors found, uh, which is that um, memberships in uh, those big gangs are on the decline, while their more clicky gangs are becoming more popular. Like, just like, it sounds like just whoever's cool starts a gang. <laughs> it's, it's called what? the Little Cool Boys. <laughs> <laughs> the little cool boys and they uh i don't know if it's becoming less racially delineated mm. i don't know if that's the idea but it just sounds like it's just getting to be more like high school that's kind of my biggest fear of going to prison <laughs> what you'd be very popular you were very popular in high school it might be i might be too popular in prison i do i am also afraid of that you i see? am afraid of how powerful you would become <laughs> black situation 
Um, so, but there is still lots of, so it is still like 50% of people try to join a prison gang, but the great irony is that, okay, so they do, gangs still do a lot of recruiting and violent hazing, and the survey that uh, Peruse and Decker did found that prison gang members are way more likely to be victims of violent crime than they are to be protected, which is uh, hor- horribly ironic because most people join prison gangs hoping like, oh. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Peru said they are promised protection and companionship, but they end up with stab wounds and brothers who snitch on them. Eventually they realize they've been sold a bill of goods. Oh, God. Yeah. So there you go. That sounds like a sorority. Don't ever say that we never gave you any good advice. Don't join a gang. Don't join a gang. It's not worth it. Maybe it was worth it at one time, but it's gone, gone the way of the dodo. So that brings me to uh, the experience of white collar crime, which, like I said, is um, a lot more interesting to me because uh, a lot of the writing I do now is for a securities fraud uh, firm. So I read about white collar crime all day. And some of these people who uh, we write about on our blog are just, it's like, they're, they're, okay, they're not violent, but they are absolutely some of the uh, worst psychopaths that you can imagine. Just people just stealing money from old ladies, befriending old widows, Mm -hmm. just to forge signatures and get all of their money in there and then disappear to the Cayman Islands. It's, absolutely horrific so uh, my first thought when i think about white collar crime is martha stewart yes i've always been fa- fascinated by martha stewart's stint in jail uh so she was indicted in 2000 uh she was indicted in the early 2000s uh on charges of conspiracy obstruction of justice and securities fraud Uh, all linked to a personal stock trade she made in 2001. So it was basically insider trading, which is when you use information that you know about trades that are going Mm -hmm. on, stocks, and how their prices are going to change, and you use that insider information that isn't public to your own financial uh, advantage, which is fraud, and it's very bad, and don't do it. Don't Don't be a Martha. Don't be a Martha. Uh, She served five months on multiple felony charges, including conspiracy and obstruction of justice. I'm, again, I'm not a sentencing expert. I get the feeling she got off pretty light. I think we are becoming sentencing experts because I'm going to say that judge was a little too easy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, again, like, uh, I mean, I think it's fair to assume that Martha Stewart probably had a very good lawyer. Uh, What really, it annoys me so much when, you know, Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg, how they have that show together. Yeah. Uh, The way that they milk that whole dynamic of, guess who's been to prison for longer? I know. Shut up. It's I know. I don't like the rebranding of her as like a a bad bitch. I think she's just like ugly and annoying. Have you seen uh, have you seen those thirsts? Internally ugly, Mal. Oh, right. I always forget that you're always talking about internally. You know, I can't see outer beauty if it doesn't, <laughs> like, if you don't have inner beauty. Right. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah, I do know that about you. 
so there is a whole, oh, and then, oh my God, I was reading about Lori Laughlin more recently, mm-hmm. kind of the Martha Stewart of now, if yeah. I may say. Her crime, I think, was lesser than Martha. How do you feel about that whole varsity blues scandal? Like paying basically to like bribe to get your kid in college. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I think it's not as bad as insider trading because I don't think it is as, I don't know. I'm actually, maybe I'm going to retract what I'm saying. It is as self-serving, but I don't think it's as harmful, but I do think it's fucking lame. It's pretty lame. And it's just like, it's such horrible judgment because that kid of hers who was doing YouTube, who was, who was, you know, very, uh, very beautiful. She's going Mm -hmm. the influencer route. I only see outer beauty. I'm sorry. Uh, and she obviously, and I was just like, no, college is for, you know, uh, uh, uggos like it's us. It's not for her. It's not for hot people. No. They don't need it. And she's like, uh, and I think that Laurie Laughlin and her husband, the Massimo guy, yeah. Italian designer, that neither of them went to college. And I think that it's one of those things where they just have this chip on their shoulder, this inferiority complex about yeah. having never gone to college. What, who, like, you're both billionaires. Like, obviously, like, college literally is, cares. Yeah. College is they for do. people who don't have extraordinary creative abilities or looks or whatever. And you, yeah, she was a beautiful little YouTuber. And her mother took it all away with her stupid rowing plot. Yeah, oh, that- I'll give you a much better life as a, as a rower. Yeah. <laughs> Some college, California college, I don't think is even that good. Yeah, I think it shows uh, an extreme lapse of like any sort of judgment to do that. Right. Uh, but so from Lori Laughlin, I learned that there's this whole cottage industry of white collar criminals who have been to jail, gotten out, and started consulting firms that tell other white collar criminals how to prepare for prison. Oh my God. And this is what really interesting. So, oh, I also wanted to mention that Martha Stewart and Laurie Laughlin are both attending what are known as camps. So with prisons, you have prisons and then you have camps, which are uh, minimum uh, security prisons. Um, and they're for people who are first nonviolent offenses. Uh, camps, unlike regular prisons, have on-site amenities and activities. You can usually, I guess they probably must have some structure, but you can usually go where you want and there's no bars on the door. There's no razor wire around the, around the perimeter. It's a much more relaxed vibe. Mm. So uh, from uh, ra- multiple sources have reported that as part of her prison prepped, Laurie Laughlin has been knuckling down, oh learning the lingo, oh no. and practicing martial arts to give off the impression she's tough and uh, to ward off potential bullies. The, the bullies like the other Martha Stewart's and other Lori Laughlin's that'll be at this prison? Exactly, exactly, exactly. I got that, by the way, from Raider Online. But That's like awesome. It's been published a bunch of places. If a, someone, I mean, I've never been, but in my prison, if someone came up to me doing martial arts, <laughs> I would lay her out. I have done martial, I remember being a 10-year-old, like a <laughs> chunky little 10-year-old, <laughs> forced by my mother to wear that stupid outfit and go to that class 
And they would, oh yeah, you're gonna learn jujitsu and like how to get away with people. And then they teach you these little moves. Like there's one where, oh, if someone grabs your wrist, you spin your wrist in there so that your wrist is, uh, so that you have all of your strength going against where their middle finger meets their thumb. And then by pulling super hard on that exact area, that's where their hand is the weakest and you'll escape. And I thought, this is great information. And so I took it home and I said, dad, let me show you what I've learned. (laughs) So I had him grab my wrist. And that's when I found out jujitsu doesn't fucking work. No. No, and it's a scam. It's a scam. Martial arts doesn't work if someone has, say, a shiv or is just much larger than you. Which, by the way, Laurie Laughlin, everyone is bigger than you are. Yeah, you're going to, if it's going to happen, it would happen to her. <laughs> <laughs> you would like be, hi-ya, and then someone would just pick her up, and twirl be like, her no. over their head, shot put her into, the, <laughs> into a different penitentiary. Um, and Michael France, a white-collar prison consultant from a, uh, from a group called Jail Time Consulting, said in an interview, uh, Laughlin does have a prison coach, and she's getting horrible advice. <laughs> if found guilty, she's going to a federal prison camp, and there won't be anyone there beating <laughs> her up. I'm, I'm taking Michael's side here. And basically, he was just saying, like, when you go into prison, into like, again, minimum security prison with this combative, I'm going to kick ass attitude, you're making a dangerous situation for yourself. Yeah. And I also read this on the uh, WikiHow. <laughs> There's a whole WikiHow <laughs> article that the author says that they're uh, a formerly uh, an inmate. And they said basically the same thing. Like people think like when I go to prison, I should really be ready to kick ass and start a fight or, you know, defend myself. And no, you should be ready based on all the advice I read in various forums. You should be ready to mind your own business. Uh Don't touch anybody's stuff and um, just be as polite. And um, yeah. I would think be ready to be bored for your whole stay. Yeah. And yeah, they talk about like what to bring. There's a lot of good information out there. So if you are preparing to go to prison, listeners. Which I hope none of you are. But one of the most important things that I learned about, um, I know you're going to talk about some of your favorite inmate influencers. Yes. Uh, I follow two YouTubers, uh, Christina Randall and Jessica Kent who uh, both, I think, did multiple prison stints. Uh, Jessica Kent, in particular, she was a pretty big-time drug dealer, Mm. um, which is very interesting because she's very slim and seems very pretty and nice and, like, not not the person. People like that I really love to follow, like people where they don't come off as particularly Mm -hmm. tough or intimidating, but they have – they've done it all and lived it all. And she has a really compelling story because when she got out of prison, she then had to get custody of her daughter back. And she tells a lot of really interesting stories around that. Um, But yeah, so from Jessica Kent and also to a lesser extent, Christina Randall, I've read a lot about what goes on in prison and how to get ready and what life is really like on the inside. And commissary is a thing that comes up as being like the most important thing. So. Obviously, you can't have cash in prison, so but you do get a little account that you can spend. It's sort of like uh, if you've been to college, a lot of colleges have mm-hmm. where you have your little- Like your lunch card or your student ID thing. That you can use to buy very specific 
items. Uh, and Jessica Kent makes a point that like all prison is like you're saying, it's very boring and it's mostly just standing in line. And one of the lines that you stand in is you get a regular visit to the commissary where you can buy uh, some little snacks and the food in prison is obviously terrible. So the snacks are like a really important mm. um, bartering tool and just really important, I guess, just for your, uh, what's it called? Your morale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also coffee. Oh, interesting. Another, like a hot commodity in prison that you have to like squirrel away and store up and make sure you always have enough. And if you really need something, you can barter with it. Um, and then she was also saying honey buns are something that you mm. can get from prison. And honey buns are every inmate's favorite snack or dessert. And Probably why it's my favorite snack. <laughs> they have all the, well, you should check out some of these recipes because they have all these <laughs> recipes of like, honey bun and maybe a couple other things and like smushing it up into a cake oh i love uh prison cooking which one of the that i've seen on the tiktok yeah and then also i'm sure you've seen prison makeup tutorials oh yeah describe a prison they're great um i saw this one girl make eyeshadow out of doritos dust and vaseline (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i've seen a bunch where they take a magazine so you can have a magazine and you rub like Vaseline or something mm-hmm. on like a colorful part of the magazine and the ink comes off in the va- and then you can use that yes. like gloss or Vaseline seems to be the thing you need the most for prison makeup because I saw yeah I saw one girl do eyeliner with like an empty pen Vaseline magazine ink and then she like just drew you know drew on her eyes coffee grounds as like eyebrow filler yeah. or mascara with that those tutorials and your uh dad's cards like it prison if anything else it does really show you that um having limitations to what you have you cannot oppress the creativity of humans no Cre- if anything it's the time to be your most creative <laughs> i mean and it is <laughs> Uh, Jessica Kent also talks about watching people uh, snort coffee. I was, you know, it's funny when you said coffee was a big commodity. I was like, probably for people who are tweaking, I would think. Well, that's the, it's like, it doesn't just uh, kids. If you're listening, snorting coffee doesn't do anything. No. Fuck up your nasal passages. Like there's no good reason to do that. But people chew on the beans if you need a upper. Creativity and then the absolute bottom of the bottom <laughs> depression. Oh. And another thing that I read from WikiHow article, I didn't find too much about the I don't know if it's even possible to find reliable information about prison sex. Mm-hmm. Um, but something that Jessica Kent and this article said is, hey, uh prison rape, it's not as prevalent as people think it is. Um, but most people do find themselves more sexually flexible <laughs> on the inside than they may have been on the outside work with what you got and it's a way to pass the time oh god i can't one of my biggest fears again about my deep prison fear is how bored i'll be (laughs) and also how not alone i'll be that sounds like a goddamn nightmare so what what is it that (laughs) i know that for as part of a going away party recently you made a presentation called (laughs) why i'm go reasons i should be in prison yeah so you seem to (laughs) I have a deep prison problem, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, those, the things I listed, uh, I, one of the things was I love to gossip. I just did stupid right. stuff. Um, 
Which, like, you would be right next to me in that gossip cell. Oh, my God. Lock me up. If we couldn't talk, I mean, if talking shit was a crime, truly, book me. Truly. But, yeah, I, I, there's this great joke, and I've probably said it on the show before, but Pat Regan said he wouldn't mind going to hell as long as there was a break in activities, and that's how I feel about prison. Like, I would need alone time, gather my thoughts and my feelings, and then I could go you know, to the commissary with my celly or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's a thing that came up. A celly is a cellmate. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, Oh, I, I know. (laughs) I don't think there's anyone listening who wouldn't, wouldn't put that together. Look, we have some innocent people tuning in. Well, that's, that's also very true. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so that, that is something that came up a lot is like the thing that you don't think about in prison, but that comes up with anyone who's been to prison is, oh my God, don't touch other people's stuff. Don't get, everyone gets so possessive about, about their stuff because like you're saying, there's this constant impingement on your personal space. Yep. And that's, what you will need to work on within yourself and have to deal with that and other people. And it sounds like that's the real, That does sound, yeah. Imagine like you literally have a roommate 24 seven and and you're around people constantly. It's a nightmare. Again, I'm seeing a lot of parallels between college and- I didn't do well with a roommate. I only had one for a very short time and I said, I'm out. Yeah, I had them. the, I guess I had my, oh, I didn't have my own room until, anyway, this isn't about me, but. It's not um, about our college careers. It's about <laughs> our careers in prison. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about like, if I had, like, if I went to prison, what would I go to prison for? Like, what have I done that I just have What have you done? Do you want to say? DUI. I, <gasps> I could probably have gotten a couple DUIs at this point. Wow. Yeah. You were there for definitely one of them. I, I, well, I remember having to drive blind and un, not a good driver. Oh, no, I meant when we were with uh, Gatlin and Mark. Oh, <laughs> that's my, that's unfortunately one of my, I'm going to prison for enjoying that ride so much. Well, yes. And the other thing you're going to prison for is, uh, I remember our friends were like, maybe not. And I really should have listened to them. And I regret to this day not listening to their wise sage souls but um but then on the way home you were all also like please stop at mcdonald's <laughs> i can't believe you're driving and we- everyone was like mcdonald's mcdonald's <laughs> it was an unsafe ride for all but you know you make mistakes in life and that's why i withhold judgment i don't you know it's funny it's like i go through life being a pretty judgmental person but I honestly like for most crimes except for like I don't know a violent I don't know there of course there are a lot of things but the majority of crimes that are committed that people go to prison for I really I'm like there but for the grace of God truly yeah I also feel very similarly I think if it's like if it's a crime against a kid I'm like I hope you rot in prison yeah yeah, but if it's not, I'm sort of like, you need help, and I wish you could get it, because you're not getting it in prison, baby. Right. Murderers, rapists, child molest, most murderers. Some murders, I'm like, come on. But, um, but yeah, uh, most murderers, it's just like, <laughs> for most crimes, I think, whatever. But then the, those few crimes, I'm like, how about an instant just guillotine? 
Yeah, I know. That's when I become, I put my weird red Republican hat on when it comes to, <laughs> I hate to say it, with those crimes, I'm like, throw the book. I love the law and I want them in prison. <laughs> it doesn't come out often, but when your red Republican uh, hat is on. <laughs> she's flamingly Republican. Criminals flee. Um, but yeah, so you were telling me about some lovely uh, TikTokers. That yeah. So there's this. So classically, I can't remember the guy's name. I will maybe maybe I will by the time we post it and I'll put it in the comments. Um, but there's this one TikToker who seems very sweet. He does say that he was in prison for a nonviolent crime. Uh, he's never really clear on what it is, but he's a ton of followers. He is kind of seemingly like a sweetie and his biggest platform seems to be that he will, uh, what's it called, stitch or react to a video where someone, it's normally like a young person that's saying that they've been abused and their parents are awful. And he kind of says like, I'll kill them. Like he's very like your prison friend who's like rough and like he kind of yeah. talks like that. And then there's just, I mean, there's no one in, no one specifically, but I did find myself on prison talk where just everything I was scrolling through was, people in prison who somehow have phones showing you what you're like literally like video like this is how I make spicy ramen in my room with the stuff I got from and he's like I traded this I built this this is how I made a weird fork that I can cook with and like this is how oh a prison strainer is like you just take like a cup poke holes at the bottom you know you get as hot of water as you can for your mac and cheese pour it through that I mean it's unbelievable. I mean, the ingenuity, the creativity. Ingenuity and the creativity. I'm blown away. And I feel like just to sort of wrap up our thoughts on this, like when I see videos like that, uh, of course, I, I like you have a kind of un irrational fear of prison getting <laughs> into trouble because I'm a very boring milk toast person in my day to day. Um, but yeah, it's, um, but when I see videos like that, I think, the human spirit is truly indomitable. It 100%. You can, uh, you know, you can lock me up, but you can't take away my coffee ground mascara. <laughs> you can lock me up, but I'm making toilet wine. <laughs> Send it there. Let's end on toilet wine. Well